Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout and this is episode 20 and today it's just me, Chris Bright, as one of your hosts as unfortunately Mr Peach has been struck down by the almost inevitable Omicron virus which is floating around everywhere at the moment so uh, he's unable to join us today Um, but I wanted to mention a couple of things before we get started with our guest today. One is that our TDFC London team have recently won the North London Futsal League. So this is the first time that any team playing under the Diabetes Football Community banners has won a trophy. And that is probably the first time, and I I can't quote it, I don't know this as a fact, but one of the first times that a team with an invisible uh, condition or an invisible disability where all of the players live with that condition, have gone on to win a mainstream trophy. So uh, absolutely buzzing to see that. And yeah, I wanted to just make sure that the guys heard that live on the podcast as well. So delighted for them. Um, And also just wanted to mention before we get going that in a month's time, so this is February the 26th, uh, 2022, um, TDFC turns five. So it's five years since the start of the diabetes football community. So for anybody out there who's got any ideas of how we should celebrate, how we should make the most of our anniversary since we started the community, please do reach out to us as well on our social media and any, in any way that you feel uh, fit. So with that all being said, I just wanted to introduce our guest as well today. So you may know him though. He's a uh, he's recognisable. There's a there's been a few things that we might have seen from this man in recent times. He's a BBC radio and TV presenter. He's been the star of How Not to Run Fifty Five Miles, and then most importantly for all of us and the story that was told, I think was pretty magical throughout. Then the sequel to that, How to Run. 55 miles. So today I am joined by Reese Parkinson. So Reese, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Oh mate, thanks for having me first and foremost and uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, yeah. that's, that's that's awesome. Yeah, amazing. We'll, we'll need to get you down for a game with the TDFC London boys. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll go into that because one of my fears is actually playing football with diabetes. Ah, so well. this is you is, are this, in the right place, sir. You are in the right place. Yeah, I haven't played since I got diagnosed. Um, uh, and I'll, well, I'm sure we're going to detail. But, mate, mm. I just want to say to all the listeners as well, Chris, um, I really appreciate your reaching out. You was literally one of the first kind of um, type 1 diabetics that has kind of like a, fo- a, a following that um, had, had reached out and you went straight in the DMs and went, boom, like, welcome. It's going to be all right. It's not the end of your world. And you gave me a lot of love. So, uh, I really appreciate that, mate. 
Genuinely. Uh, no, you're absolutely welcome, mate. And I think that's one thing that I've learned from being involved in this community is that we're there's a lot of genuine support out there for for all of us and people reach out people support each other because we know it's a difficult battle Reese. like I know some of the things that you're going to be faced with I know what it's like at the start I know how it feels and I know the challenges that you'll be faced with in the years to come whether it's at night with a nighttime hypo whether it's during the day with a hypo when it's when you want your condition to be perfect and in that moment of the day and you all of a sudden you go ah, it's really not perfect how do I respond and you it's all of these things to come and I think just making people feel welcome um is is a real real key part of what we do at the diabetes football community and then helping you get back on your feet because it is a big shock and it's been something we've been really good at in the last few years and I, I appreciate that as well Reese. and also for all of your work that you've done in raising awareness of it in recent times as well because the documentary and we're going to talk about it was incredible and uh, had a profound impact on me and I want to share that as well when we get to it but yeah I really appreciate you joining me on the show and we always start in the same way, Reese. Um, talking about diagnosis. So I know it's a relatively recent experience for you. What was the sort of starting point like? What did you notice? How was the transition to it as well? So do you want to just talk me through how, how it all began? Symptoms, yeah. that first sort of, because the first time I saw it, it from you uh, was pictures of you in a hospital so yes that I think you posted quite publicly for people to see and we were all shocked because I knew of you before um you were diagnosed because I watched Matt right. AX and stuff like right. that so I'd seen awesome. I'd seen you and it was it was a shock so um but then you know like you said it's an opportunity for people to connect and support you so how did that all start for you yeah, so I think it started, um, I say I think because I'm about to say something that which may be factually incorrect and I won't say the name of the virus to yeah. get this podcast kind of removed. <laughs> but so so I went to South Africa with my mum in 2020. Um, or we, it, yeah, it would have been 2020 in January. So uh, this virus would have already been circulating, right? But, but So it kind of got publicly announced in mid-feb march maybe whenever when we was like this, yeah, is, yeah. this is what it is so i went to south africa and then you think of the south african variant that have followed after so i went in in january and i got back from that holiday um and the day after i remember sitting indoors and i just got wiped out and it just happened it, flick of a switch boom and it was the majority of the symptoms that they went on to say when the actual virus got announced that you may feel like this and me and my mum both went we what we yeah. just had this a, a, a month and a half ago and you know it didn't start obviously when they said it, it's here it's probably been airborne for quite a while um you know so so i had that and i got diagnosed with type one in october no no it would have been uh no, november i think mm. no, november or december um so i remember the nurse saying there's been a big rise in type one diabetes since COVID and viruses, sorry, I said the name now, viruses uh, attacked oh. the kind of autoimmune, a lot of autoimmune diseases, yeah. which I kind of later went on to do some research and stuff like that. So I think it, it triggered off from that personally. Mm. Um, 
I have no proof of that, but I I I think. Um, but anyway, so with with me, uh, the build up to it was it must have been about two or three weeks of feeling very tired, very dizzy. The first sign that I got that something was wrong with my body was um, going to the toilet uh, thirteen times a night wow. for like for yeah. like two two and a half weeks. Um, and my first thing was like, I think I may need to go to the clinic. But I thought I hadn't had sex with anyone or anything like that. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how is this? What? Like, I, I haven't done, you know, I'm thinking, okay. Um, so I, that's where my paranoia came at first. I was like, oh my God, is this, uh, this is it? I spoke to my mum uh, and she said it must be in the liver disease that's affecting me weeing. Um, so that was the the kind of first thing. And then a lot of dizziness. And then I'd be at work and I'd be like, just feel exhausted all the time. And then about a week and a half before um, eventually my, my friend forced me to go to the GP was I was eating and drinking like I never had before. Nothing quenched my thirst. Yeah. And, I, it, you know, I'm talking litre bottles of mango juice and I would have three a day three a day literally and, I, and now what you know as well i bet you were thinking oh but you just oh my oh, i bet you were thinking it, oh my god i did that did i <laughs> it makes me like it makes me feel sick almost um and you know for breakfast ice cream and pancakes um it, it, honestly it sounds it, it sounds extreme but i was because nothing was hit in the spot um and then about three days until i went to the gp i was walking home and i was getting blurry vision um i was going home to the train station and my, my eyes were like just going blurry and I, i'd never kind of i was like something's up here so i one of my close friends um i spoke to uh, i spoke to them about it and they were like what the heck because they're really kind of health conscious like anything that happens like to the gp whereas i'm just like unless i'm dying i'm i'm gonna go to work and i'm gonna make things happen you know so i went to gp and took a a, a, a p test um, and then he called me when I was on the way to work the next day and said, you need to go to hospital right now. Uh, and I was like, I've got a radio show to do. Like, I can't call in sick, he, yeah. you know? And he's like, you need to go ASAP. So I, I did the show and it's a three hour show, four till seven. And at 6 PM, um, I literally couldn't like carry on. I was like, I feel like I'm literally going to faint. And, Whoa. you know, funny enough. Have you listened to that show back, Reese? I haven't. So I, so I could hold it together. Like yeah. uh, I, I could, cause we're going to kind of like moments that I've kind of had yeah, where yeah. I've been on air recently and how it held it together. So I can, I can always hold things together somehow, but mm. I, um, I, I went outside and, and the guy that was opposite me, his brother's got Taiwan diabetes and he was in a building at the same time. And he said, how are you feeling? And I'm like, like this. And he said, what are you kind of things of what's your body been saying recently? Uh, and I explained everything. And he went, you got diabetes. And then obviously first thing wow. in my mind is, how the hell can I have diabetes? I train like a madman and, uh, you know, what? And he's like, type one. And I was like, hmm. I didn't really take any notice of it. And then I went to the hospital and that's when she took my ketone levels and stuff. And when the doctor kind of looks at the levels, at the results and then pauses and has that weird face, you're like, oh, something's wrong here. So I, if I remember, my ketones were saying like seven point three or something. Oh. Like, yeah, something like. And and I was like, so what are you meant to have? And she's like zero point three. Uh, I remember. You know, when you talked about blurry vision, yeah. I was like, 
that that's like really getting into like a dangerous state did they tell you that when you know when you describe some of that did they say how dangerous you where you were yeah yeah so I'm, i moved on to the next nurse and she uh i went because i'm thinking this is all a bit of a not a joke but i'm like not really taking it too serious at this point mm. and i'm like could i like what? she's like you should this is really this is really serious and i'm like what can i have like died or something she went yeah I'm like, huh? She's like, yes, you, you could have died. Like you had a DKA. Because they don't really, Darren Valley Hospital is where I went there. Amazing. But it kind of took them a while for me to ask, like, I'm, I'm type one diabetic. That's what I am. And they're like, yeah. But they obviously had to get the official kind of sign off from, from the doctor. But yeah, that, that's when I kind of went, oh, this is, this is real. Um, and that bit was, was quite scary. But yeah, I remember just feeling like absolute crap. <laughs> And you, you talked a little bit about your like perception. You went, you, your view was, I can't be diabetic. I'm training loads and loads. So what was your initial view before then being diagnosed? And then obviously with what came after and the, the changes that occurred, how did, how did it all change? Yeah, I didn't know anyone who had type 1 diabetes. I didn't know what type 1 diabetes was. I would be that guy that would make a joke about eating too much chocolate and you're going to get diabetes. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, not obviously, I wasn't cracking that joke every day, but it no, was but like, it was there. You know, it, yeah, it was, there. Yeah, it, was, it was in a locker. Um, yeah. yeah, it was there. So I, I, I hadn't heard of type 1 before. I'd never seen anyone inject themselves before. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. So, you know, finding out about this, I was like, okay and then kind of the main thing was like am i gonna die and she was like no and then that's what kind of reassured me like okay yeah. i can get I'm not saying that i've had the hardest life in the world but for me i'm like if i'm not gonna die and i can walk and i can see and hear i'm like i'm kind of gr that gratitude kind of sets in then mm. then it's kind of like okay what does this entail you know yeah Absolutely. And what does it entail for you now then, Reese? How are you managing? What what, what does that look like in, on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So when I first, I remember at the hospital, um, you kind of had the meeting where they take you through the, I never went on the course, the Daphne's course. I haven't yeah. done that yet. Um, it's a good course. It's a good course. I've been on it. Yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It was, it was good. And also for you as well, Reese. if they do manage to get back to it face-to-face, that's the it's thing, brilliant yeah. being in the in a room with other people living with type one just for a week or a few just to oh, it just makes you feel normal honest honestly it just it's a it was one of the big things actually that inspired me to start the diabetes football community wow yeah so it is really good mate really good okay i'll 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 push on that um yeah, so so obviously I come out and then you do like kind of the classic like have to have my levels at one hundred percent twenty four seven for yeah. forever. Otherwise I am gonna otherwise I'm gonna go blind tomorrow morning and have yeah. my leg leg yeah. amputated yeah. at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was kind of at the start, like very very paranoid. Uh, and I kind of like I was living with my mum at the time and I kind of had to move out. Like it was just getting a bit too much. I couldn't have her. What's your levels? What's your levels at the moment? What's your levels? And I was like, yeah. oh, I got my own space. So There's 7.4, mine. okay. 8.4. Uh, that's decent. Yeah, that's good, that. <laughs> I'm recording on my phone, but I when I last checked, it was 5.6. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a meme that I saw, Mission Impossible, where it's just above the ground. And so, <laughs> yeah. someone said, well, that's when you're like on 4.1. <laughs> yeah, you, you 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, literally I'm, hovering. Oh, yeah, whoa. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. playing with fire a bit here. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm super paranoid. And then I meet my first type one diabetic, uh, which changes everything. Um, in in person. Um. So that was when we was filming for the documentary part two, the Seymour and swimming with Jack Anderson, the hmm. PT. So yep. he, he goes to me and I think my levels are like 90, averaging like 90%. And he's like, wow, whoa. Like, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's what you got, got to do. And You're like, like a star student here. He's like, you, you're showing us all up, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that. And, and he goes, wow, great. And I'm like, you know, we start talking. He's like, you, you don't have like, it, it, it's, it's okay if you stay in, because he said he did a triathlon and he stayed in 15 the whole time. And I went, what? Like, are you not going to go blind or whatnot? So my, edu- the nurse had kind of, in a good way, I guess, yeah. given the life of death in me and was yeah. like, don't. Scared the wits out of you, aren't she? She'd given you yeah. all the complications. She'd given you that if you don't do this, you're going to, this is going to happen to you. Yeah, they mm-hmm. do that. And, and you know, it does shock you into uh, almost like submission, isn't it? Of like this, I have to really look after this well. But, yeah. How quickly did you sort of learn that life and managing it was, uh, how long did it take you to realise, ah, maybe I need to slack off a little bit so I can sort of go out and live a little bit at the same time? Yeah, well, after probably meeting Jack, to be fair, yeah, because um, he still uses uh, the prick his finger. He doesn't have yeah. a freestyle Libra. Uh, and even that I was a bit like, oh, seems a bit more chilled out doing that. Doesn't test as much as I kind of, not putting him under the bus here, but he wanted to get a freestyle, but he just didn't, it kind of when he got diagnosed when he was younger as a teenager, it wasn't like there as like an option to choose. Whereas yeah. for me, when I had that meeting, she showed me the needles and she showed me the Libra and I was like, I don't, I will <laughs> yeah. beg my mum to sell a house to try and get this <laughs> thing. Because I was like, that is me. I can't do, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Like, um, just in, you know, like you mentioned, just job wise and stuff, it just doesn't fit practical at all so thank god for the for the libra um but yeah after that i became a bit like okay i'm not gonna die if i if i go high for an hour or something you know and i don't have to check it every five minutes so i chilled out a bit after that and then uh that kind of leads me up to like now um my average right now is like 74 uh in the pretty last close seven... to mine pretty close i'm really? i'm in, i'm tend to be 70s so on a good week i'm in the 80s on a on a pretty normal week i'd say maybe mid 70s yeah right that's 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 me right now my 90 day range is like not uh 80% and the last week has been 70 yeah 74 yeah which so so i've got questions for you like does that cuz i've got a bit worried in the 70s am i like am i playing with fire like is well, everything that I know is that the the what clinics pose you the question to do is to aim for above 70%. So timing range between 4 and 10, 70% and above is a, is the aim. Some people uh, will take it really seriously and, and look for like perfection. Um, I tend to err on the side of as long as I'm above 70% consistently and I'm doing all the other things in my life which contribute to good health in terms of fitness and eating good food choices, I tend to err on the side of I need to also live at the same time. So I, I kind of right. blend blend the view of diabetes with the view of life at the same time and try to have that balanced view of 
I need to look after all aspects here. And me spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week, focusing on diabetes, the numbers, the focus, the way that it impacts on your brain and the concentration and the worry and the anxiety and the stress, that's not great for you either, in my opinion. And then I would do that. I'm the sort of person that would over worry, over analyze. So I need to try and take a little bit of the emphasis off with diabetes and, and, and provide balance because I'm the sort of person that will do my best with everything regardless. So I have to not mm. take the edge off in my mind to allow me to live really to just to get through. Otherwise, you know, yeah. you, think, you think you're talking there about um, finger pricking Reese for 17 years, I was going to bed at night on a finger prick you know, with no, with no knowledge of what my levels were during the night. Now, people who are diagnosed uh, currently, you know, probably yourself, which you've, you've always been able to wake up, swipe, know what's been happening mm -hmm. for the last few hours. And you've got a trend of got a good idea of what's going to happen. I went to bed for 17 years, just hoping, guessing, you know, so you in that, I suppose, in some ways, it, your mindset is helped by there was less emphasis on it. And obviously I went through some really bad hypos and things like that that caught me out when I was younger. But, you know, it's, um, I think for me, I've always tried to get balance. I think the key word is balance. And um, yeah, how do you find you've, you've got that at the moment? Then do you, do you feel you've uh, cracked it a little bit around that side of things? I, I would like it a bit better. Yeah. Um, when I lived on my own, I kind of had a great run um, mm. because I basically had, fixed my body into eating the same thing every day where I knew where the levels would be regardless. Yeah. And it was just wake up and I would have avocado and eggs on toast and then go for a run and that would burn those carbs off in the yeah. same thing. So I may go to like 10, 11 for a tiny bit and then the run takes me back down. So I'd never be like 100%, but I could get like 90 above just by doing this. Lunch, fish, rice, salad the this right amount of rice where i wouldn't even need to inject any insulin because it wasn't enough to pu push me over uh rice cakes as a snack um yeah. with peanut butter and then the same for dinner less carbs with just amount of rice and whatnot and i'd know i wouldn't even need i would know where i was at yeah um, you've done you've you've described what i did for sport for 22 years that's exactly I would eat the same thing over and over again to make sure, because you talked earlier a little bit about your, you know, your concern about going back to like football. I've built a routine based on trial and error that I've used for years and years and years and years. And, and once you find, like you've just described there, you know what's going to happen. So it allows you then to go, right, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be able to go and play now and I can focus on mm. the game or whatever it may be. So I'm, I'm not surprised you got to that position early doors. That's kind of like, a, I, I think, a pretty much of a go-to is you you find a routine. You like to put it in a place where I know what's going to happen. So the best thing was, though, is because because uh, with um, COVID, it was everything was locked down. Yeah. So I got it at the best time, I feel like. Well, I'm, I'm kind of lucky in the fact I got it in mid-20s, 25, 25, 26, 26, I think. Mm. 26 is when I got it. Um, and then I wasn't allowed out because of lockdown. So I had all these benefits of having it in this time. I can't imagine, and that's why I have so much empathy for obviously your setup. I mean, you at school, that's, I would have been embarrassed to even get the pen out 
um i would I have was, been and I, and I was really, really I, I didn't yeah. get it out in front of people so yeah don't blame you at all i would have been so embarrassed and having to prick myself as a thing in in school and everyone looking at me like i'm the weird kid didn't like, do it didn't do it either my, yeah don't blame so, me. my school was a horrible school like it was as in a good it was a okay school but the kids in my year were they would bully anyone for any kind of um thing do you know what yeah. i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, it was awful so and, um yeah, yeah. and then that, that's the sort of things i faced i went to um a school which has got a real which had a real mixture of kids you know kids from a tough estate kids from a more like if you want to call it like a middle class estate and we were all mixed in and you yeah it was it was tough at times and there's some interesting characters in there and like you said they will happily tell you if you have got what they would call a perceived weakness or um, mm. something that they could take a chip out of your armor on and it was for me it was diabetes so I just kept that hidden for years and unfortunately that's not a great way to manage it either because it has an impact on the choices you make for then your diabetes and what's right for you um, how so- are you you could have you'd have a hypo in a class yeah ah uh, but also Reese you got to think there's a there's a positive for people not knowing what how to manage it I got to skip some lessons as well that I didn't like to go right, to. <laughs> so, right. so there was there was a few benefits. So, mate, in... <laughs> I went to uh, my girlfriend. Uh, we kind of um, she lives in so she's Norwegian. Yeah. And when I've been visiting her with COVID, um, Norway recently you have to do te- you have to be tested when you get there. I went the last time I went there. They had a queue for a four hour queue, and my brain went, "Hang on a minute." You've pulled, I, did you use the I, diabetes I, card? Mate, yes. I used the disabled card. Oh, I went, mate. I skipped a four-hour queue. I couldn't believe it, you, honestly. The whole thing? It, you, the, the whole four hours? The, oh, wow. the whole thing. I went all the way through, and I, I felt a bit... I said to my girlfriend, like, I think I'm going to use this, because genuinely, I'm going to need to eat. Like, you, I'm, I'm, well, like, yeah. I'm not even... You know, I'm actually going to have to eat at yeah, some point. Yeah, four hours is too yeah. long for you to not do anything with diabetes. Like, there's loads of stuff mm-hmm. that can... If you don't do any adjustments in four hours, that is yeah. likely to cause you an issue. So you do need... Sometimes you do need to play that card, but I found that very difficult to do because I so got so used to hiding it. I'd never really... Wow. I really struggled with playing the diabetes card, but I've got wow. better at it now. Now I've got into my 20s. I, I do like to chuck it around now to get stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, it, it, we do have to do certain things which other people don't. And it does, by law, if you want, put us in a what is um, an invisible disability, you know? The, which is rightly so. Yeah. Because this, this it, like... I have, t- I'm mostly okay, but there's times where I'm like, this really, this just pisses me off. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't kind of put your finger on exactly why, but it's like, uh, you know what, you know what annoys me the most is, so I've realized now, and this is recently, uh, uh, I was this weekend, I, I had a takeaway at about nine o'clock. Yeah. Put put my levels. Did injecting myself before? I had a takeaway. No, I was all, I was already on like a five. So you know when you're going low and you always get already going to hypo, but you're about to eat something that you know is going to take you too much. So I'm like I'm playing with fire. I'm injecting myself nearly on a hypo to still balance out what's about to come. So I so I even risked that. So I did that. And I had the takeaway, and at the middle of the night, um, 
I wake up the next morning, I tap my thing and I'm like, so I've got to a point now where I can wake up and I know if I've, I've stayed in my levels at night or not. Yeah. Um, thank, I think I get, I just had a headache when I woke up and went, I know what's happened. That rice from the takeaway has been a long, uh, a, a slow burning carb. So, and it's got, and it's, yeah, <laughs> mate, I saw the arc and it went to about 16 and came back down. But that, infuriates me because I go, I beat myself up and I go, you didn't have to eat that. If you didn't eat that, you'll be perfect. And I thought, I've but you really wanted the takeaway, Reese. Don't beat yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You wanted that takeaway. We oh. all do it. Trust me, we all do it. I have been there. I have been to a Chinese all-you-can-eat buffet, and I have really gone to town. And I have gone up to 16, 17, and I can't get the thing down. I'm awake. I know all, what. I'm awake all night needing a drink because I'm dehydrated. I need to inject two or three times during the night to bring myself down because the rice and the sauces and the fat content means it's all peaking in the night. Ah, it's just, but you wanted the takeaway. Like life, life is about having those things as well. So it is. It's just about managing and you know people talk about split doses for takeaways like you do a a first um, you do your first dose half of what you think the full dose is and you'll do that before you eat it so you might do it just as you're about to eat it and then you do the other dose for it two hours after you've eaten it wow so there's interesting uh, there's, these are the bits and pieces you can pick up reese from the the sort of community stuff. So that's how I try my best to manage Indian and Chinese food generally when I do go out for them because they have a high level of fat content and it all, fat, I believe, stops the way that carbohydrate comes out into your system. So it slows it down. So high fat content causes a bit of a slower release of the carbohydrate. Because that's like a big bag of crisps or something. It sometimes does that. I put in the same amount as the whole crisps say yeah. and then still it goes high. I go, how does that work? But that must must be a similar... And all, um, yeah, and also fat does produce glucose as well, just later on. So there's all of these things right. that, that play into it. So it's kind of, you need to become a dietitian as well, Reese. You need to be like a nutritionist, yeah. mate. <laughs> and I know I, I, I need to, but yeah, that's that's going back to kind of like the... I've, I've kind of, you know, I'm about to kind of move out again um, mm. to my own place uh, for probably the, the, the last time. Um but I, I feel now I re, I, I'm kind of edging towards living like a, I don't know if this is bad, so I'm sure your advice would be kind of hugely appreciated. Um, a Monday to Thursday or Monday to Friday set kind of meal life. Yeah. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, live life and manage as best as I can. So I can have that kind of donut on a Saturday afternoon um, and not kind of feel terrible. Uh, so so I'm thinking I can I can guarantee my levels to be great in that monday to thursday or monday to friday set thing and then on the weekend kind of um this is where my head's at now i'm not doing this currently but this is where i think i you know go for that go for the beers with your mates and and you know try and manage it and yeah you know. we, that's i think if you asked anyone with diabetes mate i think we're all trying to work out the best way to continue to do all the things that we want to do. You know, going out for beers with your mates is a really normal thing to do. And I do it when I can and I learn how to manage it as I go. You know, obviously there's experience there from having it, had it as long as I have now that I can draw upon, which does help. But then if there's things that I haven't done before, I, I, I'll ask. And, you know, that's the beauty of some of the, 
the, the diabetes football community work that we've done is we've I've got I've got 80 or 90 lads in a WhatsApp group where you can just send a, a little text wow. to them and they they'll go oh, well we might do this or I'll do that and the the conversations that are in this WhatsApp group are just the yeah life lessons mate around diabetes and it's those sorts of things that the online community can really provide is when you're not sure they can sort of steer you in different directions. And it's uh, been a really powerful tool to help when, you know, you're troubleshooting or when you're trying to make changes or, or go about something in a different way. So, so mate, yeah. why is, well, one thing I can't explain though, some, I'll, I remember Christmas Eve, I went out for a beer, went to 15. The other night I have three beers, stays on the same line. Here's, here's one for you then. So um, with one beer, because the alcohol content isn't that great you expect the carbs to react um and have an impact on your blood glucose levels once you sort of have over two or three depending on your alcohol dependency the alcohol then has a dehydrating effect which drops your levels so there's a counterbalance between <laughs> between between the cut between the so carbs and the alcohol okay this is a good thing so it's better to have more <laughs> okay that, that's we can't we cannot that. advocate having more alcohol on this podcast however there might be something in it there might be something in it but we won't add an advocation for that one <laughs> but, yeah of but course. you know but <laughs> offline reese we'll have a chat around that one yes let's let's strange um, though fun funny yeah. um that it baffles me sometimes like sometimes i find myself just laughing I'll, I'll do my levels and i'll laugh like say i'm expecting here we go 14 and it's on like five i just go <laughs> You can't make this up sometimes, like, you no. know. No, well, um, I don't want us to not get on to talking to you about yes. your work in, in the media. So, and where you're up to now, and obviously that incredible documentary that you've gone on to do. So I want us to touch on now how the documentary came about. So first of all, obviously this was pre-diabetes, pre-everything going on just something that you wanted to do to try and run ultra marathons is it something you got into and then all of a sudden something else came along and it, it took on a whole different kind of meaning especially second time round. so where did the the idea for how to how to run 55 miles come from for the documentary? yes yeah so me and my producer at the time on radio a guy called jim farvin who's in yeah jim in, in the documentary yeah producer um and, and director um so uh, he used to work on my show and we was both into a guy called David Goggins and uh, he's a big kind of ultra runner and that whole community, we just clicked. Like I ran and Jim ran and, and we were just like, you know what, we should try and pitch a, a documentary. And it didn't have the greatest kind of selling point, but it got commissioned. Thank God. Um, and we were literally just pitching. We want Reese to run 50 miles and it's going to be tough and, you know, it could be uh, motivating for people if we put it out in the start of the new year, like we can go into the whole thing. And, and that was it. Like, wow, running this challenge. Awesome. So that was part one. And then obviously what you saw is I get diagnosed at the end of filming part one of the documentary. And yeah. that kind of brings it a whole new lease of life, you know. Um, how did it how did you feel when obviously because it stopped you in your tracks, you were going to run it. And then the advice was not at this stage, Reese. this is probably too early and in hindsight how do you feel about what they'd said at that moment yeah at, at the time i was i was annoyed because i was like I, yeah. can, I can still do it like i i know i can um but 
when I got it and for the documentary, I was just like, you know what? This is, I think if without being kind of in fear of being cringy here, but call it God, call it the universe, the world or whatnot. I just feel like I'd, I'd been given something that I had. It made this even more special. Like, and I got so many great messages from it, but especially like parents with kids, exactly what we were saying. I would have been in school exactly how you was. I just know it. I was fearful of everything in school anyway. So having that would have made me, I would have shriveled up like a ball and uh, been half the person that I am. And I just thought of, as soon as I got it, I was like, got to raise awareness, got got to post. Even the thing in the hospital, like, you know, it's a classic hospital shot where you're like, oh, I'm in the hospital. And everyone's like, oh my God, I've been good. And I was like, I hope it doesn't, I don't want it to come across like, I'm trying to do this for attention, but yeah. I was like, I just know that this can this can help people, you know, on on some scale. Seeing something in yourself that you see in someone um, else just just gives you a bit a bit of hope, you know. So I just thought for for the parents especially, I just wanted to um, complete that race and you know just just show that some men doing stuff career wise is great, but doing stuff physically is just on a different level i think seeing that's i think that's why we love sports so much yeah. because seeing someone accomplish something on a physical level is just is more kind of inspiring to to see i think so yeah it gave me more of a motivation to it gave the documentary a meaning and it kind of gave my life a meaning at that moment for sure yeah no I, it had uh well i think i messaged you on instagram and told you the sort of impact it had on me it, your words at the end when you got really emotional about it is a lot about how I felt in different parts and elements of my life whenever I've achieved something you feel that it's you've overcome it for a moment or you've beaten diabetes for a period of time and it's that way that you've now gone on to giving back with it as well Reese. you know you're really trying hard to raise awareness and I've seen what you've done with the documentaries the way you talk about it now as well openly is it something that now you've gone through what is two amazing documentaries and provided yourself with me. Is it something now you're looking to, to continue to do as well? You've obviously already done us an amazing, the community, an amazing job by being in doing those documentaries. Is it something you're, are you going to go and do another challenge? Are you going to go and test yourself again for diabetes? Are you going to go and show us all again that diabetes isn't going to hold you back? Yeah. Well, I, I think like, uh, that's what me and Jim have spoken about. Like, to, we all we really want to do a different documentary, and I'm not sure if that's going to be like an investor, uh, kind of an investigation type documentary. I haven't done that documentary, being the person in it was awesome going forward. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if something like that would have the same impact, and, and mm. maybe it would, but I feel like it was so genuine that that it'd be very hard to replicate, yeah, that again, you know. Um, it was it was it felt like life do you know when you just life is organic and it just felt like it was a mm. natural thing it was so authentic and I think that's the way it came across was it's so authentic and the, your emotions in it were just like all, how all of us were feeling I think we were all I think most people with diabetes there was there was water in the eyes at the end of that because we all wow. sort of knew how you felt and I certainly was. I teared up watching it at the end because it means an awful lot. And I know how much it means because of that, what I go through every day. So I could put myself in your shoes for a minute and try to see how much that meant to you when you'd set out on a goal. 
Yeah, wow, mate. That um, it gets me a bit. Whew, gives you goosebumps, kind of listening to that. But yeah, it, yeah, finishing it was um, yeah, one of those moments you just you do. It was very. It was. I didn't expect to cry, but I was like, it just got so emotional and overwhelming because it had been a lot and kind of you know living with this an illness or disease or however we describe it mm. is so tough. Like it. It really is because like even doing this work and being on the radio and stuff and like earlier today we did an interview and I had a weird one today. So I went for a run earlier. You ever go on in runs where you finish the run and I'm usually okay. And then sometimes I finish a run and I go sky high. I'm like, what? Like that happened today. I was in a Zoom. I didn't check my levels because I thought oh, I've done the run. I'm fine. That's what I usually do. It goes, it goes up with my breakfast and I run and I balance it. It all balances out. And like it would go to like 10, like I said, it would go to 10 or whatnot. And I get it down with the run. Um, might be a little bit low, but I have some fruit when I get home. So it all works out. This one went to 19 after my run. And I checked wow. my thing and I, I thought I was saying wrong with the app. I think, but you know, in a, sometimes the Libra app, it goes to like 19, but then you inject it and suddenly it, was, it wasn't 19. It was like 14. Like, just the, like the, the bar yeah. sometimes goes down. So I'm like, I don't really know where it was then. But um, so it was at 19. So I uh, put some correction doses in, but I was like, I just, I was like, huh? That makes, that made, again, one of those ones where I went, that made no sense. Um, but hey, hey, it went there. But basically, I, I fi fixed that. Then I had lunch to get myself up a little bit to like six or whatnot. Then I went to work and I was, I think I was feeling the effects of that kind of drop from 19 to like, I think I got to like four, hmm. where I was doing the interview and I was kind of like, well, I was halfway in and halfway out. And for my show, the first hour of it, sometimes I can be in and out. And that's because what I've realized is it's like two hours after having lunch. And it, it catches me out sometimes, lunch. Like, And I'm not sure, but I get this dizziness feeling sometimes. And yeah, today I had that earlier when I was interviewing someone, I felt a bit, whoa. Um, but yeah, sometimes at work, I, I have gone low at work. And that's mm. because I've kind of, eating something that I might be a bit paranoid that I'm going to go too high then I've tried to correct myself at work and I've screwed it um but yeah I've, I've I only probably had like a real like a bad hypo like once while being on air and I held it together somehow but for me when I'm on a radio it's stumbling over my words and not I, my brain can't go to use yeah. I couldn't say stop the other day when it was a bit like I couldn't say I couldn't figure out I was trying to say stop and I was like what is that word and it weren't coming towards me but yeah, sometimes it would just kind of stumble over my words, but yeah, uh, it hasn't affected my work too much because I'm, I'm especially filming. I'm really conscious on mm. um, making sure it's right. Sometimes I'll just do my, I won't have lunch until I've finished filming just yeah. so I can guarantee that nothing's yeah, yeah. going to so affect it. And do you have stuff on you all the time, sort of just in case what have you got um, hanging around? Have you got like glucose stuff to the side of you? Have you got, um so your insulin injection around or oh, insulin injections always on me 24 yeah. 7 always in my pocket or whatnot um uh this is again what i kind of wanted to pick your brain about uh what would you recommend glucose tablets these are what i use fast acting glucose chews wow okay yeah so they are like tabs but those are these are probably the best tasting tabs so they're okay. lift tabs but yeah, those are, I've been using it. And also they tell you exactly how much glucose is in each tab. 
So and that how much makes is it, an inch one? Uh, I think it's four point three grams, roughly. Is it? Uh, yeah, something like that. Four about four grams of fast acting carbs. So if you have three, that's ten grams of fast acting. So you know roughly what ten grams of carbs are going to do, and obviously it's going to react quick. So it's a bit more mathematics, a bit more science to it, rather than because sometimes when you have a hypo, you'll just go ah bag of sweets. And then all of a sudden you go from like three to like 16 because you've overdone it. And that's, you know, that's fine. But like when you're trying to perform or when you're trying to do something and nail it, like Reese, like with your, with your work or like I've been trying to do in sport, you can't be going from three to 16 because then you've got another problem on your hands. So that's why I kind of, I, I was doing the classic jelly babies yeah. on me and use that. But recently I've just been like, A, I'm just trying to trim a little bit down anyway, weight wise. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep eating sweets as well. Or like, you know, I've heard some horror stories of some people's kind of, I know people that have a Coke before they go to the gym. Like, I'm like, that's what? not, like, that's not conducive. Of, yeah. That's, you know, because it, they, it yeah. kind of lets them go high and then they work that off in the gym or whatnot. You know, it, it kind of, you know, I know everyone's on their own well, path. With these, you go, ah, they're not tasty enough, Reese. that you want loads of them. Like you will just have the amount that you should have. That's why I have tabs. Because then, like you said, when you're thinking about, oh, I need to keep my weight in a certain place or I don't want to overeat them, you're never tempted to overeat glucose tabs because they're just, right. they're not, they're tasty enough, but they're not like jelly babies where you'd just be like, oh yeah, I could have a few more of them. Yeah. You're not going to do that with glucose tabs. But... What's it? What's in the tablets? Like, is it a healthy kind of way to get back up? Like, wow. Oh, I, I, well two and it i'm, I'm not I mean, i'm not one of the people yeah i'm not yeah, extreme I, I like yeah i don't really know reese i mean i can send you a i'll send you a picture of the back of it if you want to have yeah. a read of it or the link to the website anyway where they where you can get them from but i'm i use them regularly they're like my go-to for for hypo treatments um and I, do, I do use other stuff but they're they're really really solid i use liquid form of it as well I've got some of the juices. Oh, wow. They're like 15 grams and it's like a shot. You just go boom. And then it's 15 grams fast acting. And they are, that's even better than the tabs. Oh, awesome. I was going to say, is there any uh, long lasting effects of hypos on our body? Um, so I think there's, there's, unfortunately, it's probably a long lasting effect of almost everything that we go through with diabetes. Um, yeah, I, I believe it has, can have an impact on the brain. Um, because essentially what you're doing with a hypo is you are um, limiting the amount of glucose that's going to your brain. So because your brain, this is why they say about driving, Rishi, uh, you might have had this, but um, you're supposed to wait 40 minutes after having a hypo to, to drive. Because what happens is your brain's the first thing to be starved of glucose when you have a hypo and the last thing to be replenished. So essentially it's running on lower glucose than any other part of the body. So that over a long period of time hypos etc i don't know i i'm not massively no mate yeah yeah i think you're understanding and that's why god that's fascinating because even today i'm sure you know sometimes you don't have a full hypo but you and you check your glucose monitor it's like has a down arrow of like 3.5 but because you've eaten at the right amount of time it's just gone to four and it's got the arrow was middle but you know you went lower than that um and it takes. It took me about quarter to quarter to five today to go zoom. Now I'm like peak performance, but this is the show's finished, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. You said that because I knew there was a delay of like, um, yeah, 
I've like, but this levels are fine now, but it takes my brain a while mm. to go. Ah, oh, and it's like all again. of a sudden, then it's like a little bit of a switch moment. All of a yeah. sudden, you go, oh, I'm, it's back. I'm back. I'm yeah. back. Absolutely. What's, what's fascinating? I don't know if you've heard of um, kind of the the progress that's been made. I'm, I'm sure over all the years, you must have heard every different treatment or curative thing that's around yeah. there. But um, one thing that I've been looking into a lot, and and it was kind of I was into kind of science before getting diagnosed mm. um but uh did you see the uh the the pig heart replacement that was recently so they had like a um a, an organ replacement but it was a pig's heart which replaced um a, a human heart for someone mm. to kind of well carry on living um so there's a lot of work being done now with kind of stem cells and uh kind of organs off the shelf organs um that could be like uh say man-made um for diabetes type one uh for to kind of insert in you it's going to act like that and produce that for you Mm -hmm. so i'm pretty confident in where we're going and i know that could sound really kind of crazy (laughs) and i'm sure you've heard literally everything under the bus but but you know this is I, I think, and I'd love for this to stay here on this podcast that I've called it's it. It's going to stay I, there, Reese. Now, now that you've called it, it's definitely staying there. Yeah. Um, go on, give me a years. Go on, how many years do you reckon? Um. So they've. So they can. It's going into clinical, kind of uh, research on on people this year. Um. They've already done it in mice and have proven it to work. It's a it's a publicly traded. I'm not invested in it personally. Um, I I have been, but I'm not invested <laughs> at the moment. I kind of trade. So uh, full disclosure, I'm not invested right now as of this day. It's called Chris. The, well, but the uh, the 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 technology is called CRISPR. So their main thing at the moment, a lot of these CRISPR companies, is for sickle cell. Uh, yeah. to to cure sickle cell. Now, one of the companies, CRISPR Therapeutics, is working on the type 1 diabetes. And I'll send you a recent podcast that they did, actually, mate. I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. But I, years-wise, I would say I think they can cure it in the next two to three. And then mass market, I think, will be easily accessible for in under 10 years. And and, and that's a very yeah. bullish kind of thing yeah. to say. Oh, well, and, it's going to live here now, Reese, on the on the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. You've you've gone out there. You've given us your estimation. I'll give you a little bit of insight that when I was diagnosed in 1999, they told me we'll have it cured in five to ten years. So I've been being told that we were going to have a cure for type one since I was diagnosed probably in 1999. So you're, I love your enthusiasm, and I really do hope that we get there. I'm just. I guess it's because, you know, it's like when the boy cried wolf, you know, when you've heard it that many times Mate, and, you've heard, and you've yeah. heard, oh, we're going to have this done. We're going to have this done. We're going to have this. It, you can't, I get to a point now where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. And there's, I think we're in a better age now where things are developing like closed loop. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've, you've seen the closed loop technology yet, but that's where the insulin pump talks to the CGM. So for example, a pump talks to your Libra and it does oh, it all automatically. It automatically. Yeah. Yeah. So but, that's all uh, happening. That's coming. That isn't far away at all. Um, but it's not a cure, is it? You know, it's not a full on cure. It's a good intervention, really, really good intervention not a not what we would call a cure where we don't have to do anything so yeah because we literally have to basically get implanted with a fake pancreas yeah and and that's what we really need to do and have technology built but it gets me it pisses me off these greedy farmers um 
that are just, especially in America, just it needs to be disrupted. That whole industry, like, you know, how can they sell these things for the amount of money that they do is disgusting for us that need to actually live off it, you know? Yeah. And the, the, the biggest thing, and I think with you mentioning that, I think the really key thing is the um, championing the fact that the insulin for all is a real campaign because people in America die because they can't afford insulin and they can't even, they can't even afford basic insulin to manage type one diabetes just to get the, the pen refills or, you know, the pens to survive. So there, there is a real problem that needs to be addressed. Like you said, with the pharmaceutical companies, cause they can't, you can't allow in this day and age where people haven't mm. got access to insulin, especially in the world's richest country, and then that's without even thinking about access to insulin across the globe in, you know, you know, the much put many, many poorer countries that there are out there. But, and mm. these are the sorts of things that the global questions that we need to address with, for people with diabetes, but there's, there's, there's so many things and it's what's on people's priority list, you know, priority there about the cure, but is the priority first to make sure that everybody who's got type one diabetes has access to insulin. Mm. So there's these, these questions, isn't there of which way do we go, but there's such a, there's a phenomenal amount of progress. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to see where, where we can get to in the next few years around, around the condition for sure. Um, do, you, do you feel like um, the, this has this has made you one of the most patient people on earth having this disease because that 15 i wait 15 minutes before eating that's what i always got told inject wait 15 minutes then eat mm. um those 15 minutes have changed me as a person in in many ways for for the pos- it's one of the most positive things i've got from this personally you have 15 it's like you inject and it's like 15 minutes of like almost like quiet isn't it like you process time 15 minutes of processing time almost because Mm -hmm. you're still concentrated aren't you on the on what you're because it's a process unfortunately for us it is a process eating and and taking on food because as much as we're trying to enjoy it there is maths there is things that we need to do and that 15 minutes is like a it's like a dead time if you like isn't it like a a time to just sit reflect and and mull over what's been going on and yeah you you have those moments in the day i tend to i tend to have a, a moment like that in the evening because i tend to do two injections in the evening um around the same time so i'm like my long acting insulin and i have i tend to have like a bit of an evening snack and i do the two at the same time and i tend to have sort of five ten minutes with myself there where you sort of mull over the day and yeah, you, you're in the, cause I'm waiting to eat my little snack or whatever it is. And yeah, you just, you're, you're in the moment with diabetes or you're in the moment with your life. And yeah, I can see how, see how that's played out. And I think it, you, you have to develop patience. You also have to sort of develop that um, kindness for yourself as well. You have to almost just, you know, take the pressure off yourself sometimes realize that you're human, you're not superhuman. And um I think diabetes does it, it humbles you a little bit, brings you off whatever, whatever Bro. sort of pedestal or Dude. wherever you think you were going to be in life, whoever you thought you Dude. were going to be, you, you, it humbles me every day. And I, you know, it makes me a better, I think it makes me a better person. I, I think it adds more empathy. I think I'm a better human to other humans because what I live with is, is just humbling every single day. Mate, that, that, what a description of it that 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 is spot on 
I'm not saying I thought I was the boy by any means, but it humbled me in ways that, yeah, like it just took me back down to ground zero. And I was like, wow, just I'm alive. Mm. First and foremost, like health now is, is, is big for me. And I just can't do certain things. And it just, well, I can do certain things, but my life has completely changed to be able to do those certain things. It just, it humbles you when you wake up and you have to stick a needle in your bum for your long lasting, long lasting insulin. You know, yeah. that's humbling. That's yeah. like, I'm not Superman and yeah. I can't do everything. And I've got to go at a slower pace here. Well, that's it for this episode. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show, send us an email about the diabetes dugout to the diabetes football community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.